Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Hey, good morning and welcome to The Grove. We are so glad that you are taking a little bit of time out of your weekend to be with us this morning. My name is Stephen and I'm one of the pastors. And you have shown up on a great Sunday. This is the last Sunday before we get to celebrate Christmas Eve. Show of hands, uh, how many of you have finished all of your Christmas shopping? Everybody's presents are wrapped and you're like on like just autopilot at this point. All right, and how many of you still have a lot to do before? Okay, so the length of my sermon is probably a factor in how you've scheduled. You might have picked a bad Sunday to be here. I got a lot to talk about. Well, we are in a sermon series called Travel Light. And over the last couple of weeks, as we've gotten closer and closer to Christmas, we've been talking about the things that we need and the things that we don't need to truly extract as much meaning, to discover and uncover as much meaning in this Christmas season as possible. And so if you need to play a little catch up, there's still time for you to do that before Santa comes. Uh, On the previous sermons, but this morning, we're talking about the last thing that we need to help us really discover all of the meaning of Christmas. And it's this little simple word that is in every Christmas song you've ever heard, and it's the word joy. Now, The issue with joy is actually of all of the sentiments that we celebrate during Christmas, I think it's the one that we most misunderstand. I think it's the one that we're most confused about, and I think it's the one that maybe could have the biggest impact in our lives, especially as we celebrate Christmas. Now, for many of us, if you were forced to give a definition of what joy is, you would connect it somehow to happiness, right? Joy might be that upper limit of happiness, like when you're happier than you've ever been, maybe that's what you would describe as joy. You think back to those moments, maybe the birth of the child or that moment after your family leaves for the holidays and gets out of your house, whatever that sentiment is, you know that moment where you're like, oh, I've never been happier. And we call, and we call that joy. Problem is, is that's actually not what joy is. Joy isn't an upper limit of happiness. And as we talk this morning, we're going to unpack what joy is. But the problem is, we pursue joy through happiness. We think that through the pursuit of happiness, we arrive at joy. And so it causes us to do, especially this time of year, it causes us to do a lot of really bizarre and strange things. I don't know if y'all caught this story. But there's a mom who got kind of blasted all over social media because she bought her her kids over 300 presents for Christmas. And she posted this and she was like, can't wait to see the smiles on their happy faces. And then, you know, social media does what it does best and it polarized the issue. And people were like, yes, best mom ever. And then others were like, you're ruining your children's future. And they kind of went back and forth. The intent behind it is is normal. I mean, we do the same thing. We want the people in our lives to be happy. We want to be happy. We want to achieve joy, and so we do that through the pursuit of happiness. And so maybe for some of you, you have been racing all over the Metroplex to find all of the gifts 
because they're not at the store that you normally go to, so you got to go to the one that you wouldn't normally go to that's 18 miles away because they put it on hold for you for the next hour, and it's got your name on it, and if you don't get there in time, someone else is going to get it. And then you try to find a parking spot, and you race around, and you try to do all of the things because you know if you can get the perfect gifts to all of the people, then your family will be happy. Or maybe you've gone to the grocery store like seven times in the last three days because you're trying to make all of the perfect meals and you need all of these different ingredients and you spent all this time in the kitchen slaving away just so that everybody can gather around the table for that one picturesque moment where everybody smiles and everybody shares about how blessed they are and how great it is to have family. And you circle up and you hold hands and you know like this is really what happiness is all about. We do all of these things pursuing happiness because we think it gets us to joy. But it doesn't because happiness is very different than joy in a couple of important ways. One of the ways that happiness is different than joy is that it's, it's fleeting, it's momentary, where joy is something deeper, more substantial, more permanent and eternal. Happiness is based in the moment. Think about the moment when you were 14. For some of you, that was maybe a year or two ago. For some of you, you can't remember if you were 14. But think about to that Christmas that you were 14 and you opened up that, that present that you wanted most. How many of you can remember the thing that you wanted most at Christmas when you were 14? Yeah, I can't either. But in that moment, we wanted it more than anything else in the world. And we knew that if we got that thing, we would be happy. We would finally have all of the joy that we want in this life if we could just get fill in the blank. And now, however many years later it's been for you, you can't even remember what that thing was because happiness is attached to a moment and then it passes. It's connected to a desire and our desires are constantly changing. Our wants and our needs are constantly evolving and moving and shifting. For some of you, Maybe you've had this experience at Christmas where you were so excited to open up a present. You knew it was the thing that you've been waiting for. You knew that joy and happiness was just on the other side of that wrapping paper in that box and then you opened it and it was not something that you expected and you were utterly disappointed. Your happiness was ruined. Christmas was terrible. I don't know if you've seen uh, some of the series of videos that Jimmy Kimmel has done on his show, but uh, one of them is he encouraged parents to give their children bad gifts at Christmas and, and then record their reactions to those said bad gifts and then send them into Jimmy Kimmel so he could exploit these poor children and, you know, the amount of therapy that they're going to have to go through because of these things that are immortalized forever online. But uh, here's a small clip. What'd you, what'd you, Charlie, what'd you get for What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. Oh, okay. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What is that? I got a girl activity book of stickers. I am not a girl. I'm not a fool. 
If you haven't finished off your Christmas shopping, there's some gift ideas. That's our little gift to you. So if you get a hot dog for Christmas, Merry Christmas from the Grove. But that's, that's just a small snapshot of how fragile our happiness actually is. It can only exist in certain conditions, under certain circumstances, based on our immediate needs and wants. And then the next moment or the next week or the next month or the next year, they change. And again and again and again, constantly changing, we're constantly chasing after the thing that we think will make us happy next. And for some of us, this leads us to always striving after more. Maybe for you, happiness is just on the other side of more. And so you're like the mom who bought 300 presents because you know that it's so close and if you can just spend enough, then you can achieve happiness for your family. Or maybe for you, happiness is just on the other side of equality. And so you're the type of parent that makes sure that if one child gets 27 gifts, the other children get 27 gifts, and you count them all, and you make sure that you've spent roughly the same amount on every child, because we all have that one sibling in the family who counts the estimated value of all of the gifts. And it's like, I think mom and dad love you more this year. And so you have to make sure that you're equitable, and so we pursue happiness through equality. Or maybe for you, you it's a little bit bigger than the Christmas season. Maybe for you, happiness is just on the other side of that perfect person or that ideal relationship. And so you jump from person to person, date to date, opportunity to opportunity because you're looking for the ideal set of characteristics that may or may not exist. And you wait for this person to be everything that you hoped and dreamed they would be. And then at some moment they have a flaw, they sneeze out of turn or they do something. You're like, oh, well, this isn't the right person. And so you jump and you look for the next right person because you know that happiness is close. If you could just find the perfect person then you'd be happy. Or maybe for you, it's a career. If I could just make this amount of money, if I could just get this next promotion, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just, there's one more step, there's one more milestone, there's one more thing that you could do. There's one more set of letters at the end of your name that you could achieve. And then, and then you could be happy. It's a destination for you. And so you're pursuing happiness over and over and over again in all of the areas and the ways of your life. But here's the irony of the pursuit of happiness is we think it leads to joy. But actually the pursuit of happiness leads to a totally different place. It takes us in the opposite direction of joy. The pursuit of happiness actually leads us to a place of misery. And this isn't a new problem. This isn't a new phenomenon or dynamic that humanity has been going through. For for as long as there have been people, we have tried to pursue what makes us happy. We've gone about it in all of these different ways and it never seems to work. And so we try again and again and again because we're trying to find the upper limit of happiness. We're trying, we're trying to find joy. And so we pursue happiness as an attempt to get there. And then we end up in this place of unhappiness, of misery, and we're so confused of why this isn't working. And so then we just double down and try harder in all of the different ways that we're trying. And I have totally taken the Christmas spirit out of your morning and I can just see it in your faces. And you're like, I was happy till I showed up and listened to this sermon and now I'm not happy anymore. The apostle Paul wrote to a church who dealt with this very same issue. I don't know if the occasion was days before Christmas Eve, but nonetheless, he pins this letter And he writes to them about this very same dynamic and this very same problem, and he discourages them from trying to pursue happiness. It's like if someone tells you, hey, if you walk down that alley, there's a 600-pound gorilla, and it's going to attack you. Don't go down the alley. 
and people start to walk down the alley anyway. And he says, listen, I'm telling you, at the end of this road is misery, is heartache, is sorrow. Don't go down there. I can tell you what's going to happen if you follow this road. I'm going to share with you Paul's words, and it's in a very modern translation. But here's what I think is amazing and heartbreaking at the very same time. These words that Paul shared with the church 2,000 years ago. I just want you to just to see just to try it on a little bit, to see if maybe in any way, shape, or form they seem to diagnose our current society. The people that you go to work with, the parents of the children that your children play with, maybe people within your own family or even your own household, or maybe the person that you see when you look in the mirror. Hear Paul's words discouraging people from the pursuit of happiness. Here's what he says. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to pursue your own happiness all the time. If you chase after happiness, if you pursue happiness all the time, here's what you're going to get. Repetitive and cheap love. Jumping after relationship after relationship, waiting for that hit of dopamine, getting so excited about that new person and then it fleets and so you have to jump again. Repetitive and cheap love. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage all of the people who can't park their cars in their garage because of all of the stuff that's in the garage, all of the amount of time, effort, and resources that we spend trying to unpack all of the emotional trauma that we carry through this life, frenzied and joyless grabs for pleasure. We live in a feel-good society. We're experiencing this in our current generation of youth. The predominant Sentiment is if it feels good, do it. And so they pursue the moment, the pleasure, that instantaneous thing. And we see where this takes all of their lives, where it's taken our lives perhaps if we pursued this frenzied and joyless grab for pleasure. It gets worse. Paranoid loneliness, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Cutthroat competition. This is why you get stressed when you have to show up to a big meeting at work because you know no one's there to actually support you. They hope that you trip and fall and stumble so that they can edge you out, to nudge you out, to get the promotion instead of you. This paranoid loneliness. What is it about Christmas that for some of us it is actually the loneliest time of year with all of the lights and the festivities and the celebration? If you weren't lonely, you're starting to feel lonely as this sermon goes on. All-consuming, yet never satisfied once. I don't know if you do this on Instagram, but you scroll, and for me, everything that Instagram suggests that I should buy, I want to buy. But there's always more. I keep scrolling, and I find more things that I like, and so I keep saving the things so that maybe I can go back and revisit and buy them later, and the list just grows and grows and grows because I discovered all of these things that I never knew that I wanted, that I need, that will finally make me happy. And so I keep scrolling and keep buying, and... And yet my happiness just stays at the same level, maybe momentary spikes, but it inevitably returns to the same place. A brutal temper, we get frustrated and short-tempered with the people that we're supposed to love and care about most because secretly on the inside, we're not happy and we don't know who else to take it out on other than the people around us. And impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Is there a better sentiment that describes our, our nation at this moment? 
You either are for us or you are against us. There is no middle ground. You're on my team or you're on the other team. We have this divided world. It is black and white. It is binary. It is red. It is blue. It is left. It is right. And there is no room for any other alternative. And we think that if we could just get everybody onto our side, then the world would be a better place and we'd all be happy. Paul's like, listen, I've seen this coming. I could have told you this is where this road heads. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. The opioid crisis in America is at a greater danger and threat than it's ever been. More people are addicted to more medications, trying to solve the same problems that people have been trying to solve for thousands of years. I just want to be happy. And Paul says, that's the problem. We're trying to pursue happiness. And then we have these ugly parodies of community. We gather together, but really these people don't support me. They don't know me. I don't feel safe to be seen by them, to share what's really going on in my life. And so we present this fine version of ourselves. And so everything's okay all of the time. And we never are really honest about what's going on because we're not finding happiness in the pursuit of happiness. And we're actually finding more misery and dissatisfaction loneliness and isolation, but we can't tell anybody about it because then everybody would know that we're the only ones who are unhappy. And the reality is we all feel some version of this and we just don't want to admit it to anybody else. And I get a lot of blank stares in this moment. So maybe it's just me. Maybe. And then Paul says, I could go on. And some of you are like, dear Lord, please stop. (laughs) Do not go on. The problem with the pursuit of happiness is it never leads us to joy. And the reason is because happiness and joy are not the same things. Happiness is about pursuing our wants, our desires. It's momentary and it's fickle. It jumps from this to the next. It's always moving forward. It's that quick spike of dopamine that flashes off in our brain and fills us with all of these nice feelings and then it disappears and goes away. And so then we have to find the next thing. There's never any sense of satisfaction or satiation. We're never like, no, I've had enough. We, it, happiness always draws us in, making us want more, needing more, desiring more, craving more. But joy, joy is different. And Paul begins to pivot and says, listen, you don't have to go down this road. There's another road that you could walk down. There's another alternative for you in your life. It doesn't have to be this pursuit of happiness that never gets you what you're looking for. Paul says it this way. He says, but what happens? What happens when we live God's way? Another translation says, but what happens when we put our trust in God? This idea of trusting God is this idea of kind of walking in the path from Proverbs that God would have us go down, following God's instruction and guidance for our lives, living our lives according to the example that Jesus Christ sets for us and the example and the rules that God gives us all throughout Scripture of how to live a fuller and ultimately more joyful life. Paul says when you do this, when you go down this road, when you pursue God, instead of pursuing happiness... God brings gifts into your lives much in the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. These things that appear in your life as you begin to pursue God, things like love, joy, 
peace. In another translation, they're described as fruits of the Spirit. Maybe you memorized that at one point growing up as a kid. These fruits of the Spirit, these things that develop in your life that aren't a result of you searching after them, but of you becoming more like Christ. And all of a sudden you recognize that just like Michael talked about with the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, that these feelings that you have stand in contrast and juxtaposition to the circumstances that you find yourself in, they don't make sense. They seem strange and out of place. It's like, well, gosh, we've never been in more debt, but I've had this sense of peace and assuredness that things are gonna be okay. Or I've never had fewer dating prospects, but I know that I'm loved and I feel this sense of love in me and in the people around me, even though my circumstances should indicate and inform me to the contrary. Maybe you look around you and you think, things aren't at all what I'd have them be. If I could write a script, this is not the script that I'd write. You look at the Christmas that you're about to celebrate, the people that you were hoping to be gathered in your home maybe aren't there. Or maybe the health that you hope to have at this time of year you don't have. Or the job or the sense of financial security that you were desperately searching for still isn't there. And yet there are these things that exist despite our circumstances. Joy, peace, love, hope, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. And you're like, where did all of this come from? As you begin to pursue God, we begin to find the thing that pursuing happiness could never get us, and that's joy. We see this really clearly in one of the Christmas stories that we tell during this time of year, the story of the wise men who were following the star. These were men who spent a lot of time gazing up into the heavens, looking for astrological phenomenon, hoping to make some sense out of the cosmos to extract some type of greater meaning and understanding about how the world works and about where they can derive their, their purpose and significance in this life. These were not people who were prone to pursue happiness. There was space and distance from all of the immediate pursuits in their day-to-day -day lives. These were people who thought and pondered and wondered. And then they see this star way off in the distance. And they think, huh, I wonder, I wonder what, what that is. They weren't concerned with their immediate needs or desires or wants. They weren't concerned about pursuing happiness. And instead, they see this star off in the distance and they said, all right, load up, let's go. And they went on a trip. Some estimates, hundreds of miles pursuing this star the star that stood out from all of the other stars, maybe in its movement, maybe in its size, maybe in its location on the horizon. And they pursue this star and they chase after it. It probably wasn't an easy journey. And so the circumstances likely weren't ideal. They probably got tired. They probably got hungry. They probably were thirsty. They probably got irritated with the company that they had around them. One of them was likely asking how much longer till we're there. And you know, you just get annoyed. You're like, I just an hour, nobody's talking to each other, let's just get there. Not the circumstances that you would imagine that would elicit happiness or joy. And as they get closer and closer to the star, they show up at King Herod's palace. And the writer of the Gospel of Matthew describes it this way. 
It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Magi, wise men, came from the east to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is this newborn king of the Jews? There's something about this star and ancient prophecy that seemed to align and we think that maybe God is here and we wanna pursue God. Can you point us in the right direction? They say, we've seen his star in the east and we've come to honor him. We wanna know more about this God. We wanna get closer to this God because we think that there's something more meaningful, more significant in our life if we can pursue God, if we can get closer to God. We think that there's, there's untold value in it for us. And so, after being given instruction, they go to Bethlehem. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Pursuing God, despite the circumstances, despite the conditions, despite the external realities, always leads us to joy. We could look at a different story, the one with the shepherds. While shepherds were keeping flock or watch over their flock by night, the angels show up and they point them in the same direction. They say, listen, behold, we bring you good news of great joy in the town of David. A savior has been born. He is Christ the Messiah. And these shepherds say, well, that sounds like something we want. Can we, let's go check it out. And they do the same thing and they show up. What I think is amazing about all the nativity scenes that you see is every character in the nativity scene, whether it's a very simple nativity set and you have Mary and Joseph and a couple of lambs or you have the expanded version with donkeys and horses and camels and lobsters and all of the other things that, you know, the, the jumbo nativity set, where are they all oriented towards? They're oriented towards God. You don't have any of them who are like off, looking off in the other direction. They know that what they seek is found right here in this spot in this baby, in this manger. The song Joy to the World that we sang a moment ago. Why is there joy to the world? What is contained in that message of good news and great joy? It's really simple. The Lord has come. There is joy that exists and is available for all of us simply because of the fact that God has come. And in this coming, God invites us into a relationship that we can now have with God. It's not about pursuing all of the things that we think are gonna make us happy. It's not about pursuing all of the things that we feel like we need, that we long for, that we desire. It's ignoring those feelings and focusing on something greater, something more lasting, something eternal, something that doesn't fade, that's not fickle something that's impervious to our external circumstances or our undulating internal feelings. This joy that we seek is not found in the pursuit of happiness. It's found in the pursuit of God. And that's why it's such great news. Because the thing that we long for most, we don't have to do anything to receive. God has come to us we don't have to go seeking. We don't have to go searching. We don't have to go pursuing. But that's why we celebrate on Christmas. 
That's why all of the figures in the nativity scene are oriented towards the baby. Because God has come to us. And in a relationship with God, we find joy. So in the next 48 hours before we celebrate Christmas Eve, and in the new year that is to come shortly, will your life look different? Will your thoughts and your feelings, will your attitude and your choices shift? Or will you still continue to pursue happiness? Or maybe... Maybe you recognize the same truth that the wise men recognize, the same truth that the shepherds saw, and the same truth that we celebrate on Christmas Eve. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And it's in him that we find all that we're looking for. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, it is on this day that we celebrate your birth. And in these next days to come, we remember again and again the story of you stepping into humanity and doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God, help us to remember that what we seek most is found in you. It's not through pursuit of other means. It's not through the pursuit of happiness or pleasure or fulfillment. But it's in the pursuit of you and in you alone. It is good news of a great joy. The Lord has come. And we are forever grateful. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.